other than the Lakers, the world champion Lakers, I think the Atlanta Hawks had the best free agency of any team. And despite losing their second best player and one of the greatest shooters ever for the rest of this season, I think the Golden State Warriors are playing to win now. And I think when it's all said and done, the Warriors will be in the playoffs and they'll make some noise. It's the cipher. Let's go. Every offseason in the NBA, fan bases gather. And the job of a general manager, as well as an owner, along with a coach, is to create a culture to put together talent that gives maybe a bottom-dwelling franchise like, say, the Sacramento Kings, give their fan base hope. You want to make moves in the offseason, in free agency, in the draft, that makes your fan base go, so you're telling me there's a chance. The Sacramento Kings, they opted not to match the offer the Atlanta Hawks made to Bogdan Bogdanovich, the $72 million offer, because they believe that contract would have hampered their ability to build around Darren Fox, Marvin Bagley III, and Buddy Heald. And that might be true. But this is what I'll say. That's their core. There's no debating that. But within that core, I don't see three stars or all-stars. I think I see one all-star and two very good players. And only time will tell what happens going forward. But when you lose a talent like Bogdanovich, who's a versatile, do-everything type of player, and you get no value in return, that impacts you. So if you're a Sacramento Kings fan, I'm not telling you the future isn't bright. I would just say you're going forward with a young core, and it seems like your GM's idea is to build through the draft, which isn't a horrible, it isn't a horrible strategy but it's not a lock. What Sam Presti did years ago, that was rare. And I know this because it took that much longer for a team like Golden State to be able to do something similar with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. But I'm not going to get into the Eastern Conference. This, this is all about the Western Conference and what the contenders in the West did in the offseason. Take, for example, the Portland Trailblazers. The Blazers got into the bubble, the 10th seed, and played their way into that playoff. And they won that playoff, made the playoffs. Great run. But the Blazers are an older team. And when you have an older team and your stars are 29 and 28, that's Damon CJ. Great players. Damian Lillard, out now beast, 30 points, 8 assists. Shot 40% from three. CJ gives you 22, shoots almost 38% from three. But they're a smaller guard combo, and the Blazers ask them to do so much. When you watch the Blazers play, the perception is they move the ball a lot. But the reality is they're actually an ISO team. They're probably the worst assist-per-game team or one of the worst in the NBA. If Dame and CJ don't create a shot, it doesn't happen. Although Big Nurk, Yusuf Nurkic is one of the best passing bigs in the NBA, what the Blazers needed was another perimeter creator. 
another perimeter playmaker. And they didn't really address that need. I think it's great that they were able to re-sign Rodney Hood. Make a trade that brings you Robert Covington, one of the best 3 and D wings in the NBA, which Portland desperately needed. I think they were ranked 28th in defense. They just don't have anybody on the wings that could defend at a high level. Bringing back Ennis Cantor, one of the best offensive rebounders in the NBA that gives you depth at center. Rodney Hood hopefully will be healthy. They actually brought in Derrick Jones from the Heat. Derrick Jones is an athletic wing who can defend and can get out and run and finish. They also drafted C.J. Ellaby with the 46th pick. pick. But take those moves. And then, yes, Gary Trent Jr. had a great season. Showed a lot of improvement and a lot of range. Anthony Simmons is improving. They say that Zach Collins, who's a veteran backup 4-5 combo guy, he'll be back. And a lot of te- a lot of GMs, a lot of pundits are saying they think the Blazers had one of the best off-seasons in the NBA. I'm a big Dame fan. Love CJ. Was happy to see Melo show that he can still play and contribute at a high level. I think Nurkic is a really good big. I don't see that. They basically brought back the same team and they added Derrick Jones and Harry Giles III along with Ellaby. I I don't think when you look at what other teams in the West have done, I'm not telling you Portland won't make the playoffs. What I am telling you is the ceiling that they reached a couple of seasons ago when they went to the Western Conference Finals. I don't see this team reaching that ceiling, not in this West. They just don't have the firepower or the overall talent. Golden State losing Klay Thompson was a gut punch. No doubt about it. I wanted to see the Warriors at full strength. Klay, Draymond, Steph, with some young additions, like the second pick in the draft, James Wiseman along with the guy who they ended up trading for anyway, who I wanted them to go after with a healthy clay, Kelly Oubre Jr. But you know what? Hey, look, clay, get healthy, speedy recovery, fam. Get strong, take your time, come back ready for next season. I like what the Warriors were able to salvage with this gut punch, the way they bounced back and said, you know what, going forward, We're not going to call this a loss year. We're going to still try to win. We're going to still try to be a factor. And that's the right way to approach it. That's what I like about the Warriors front office. They realize Draymond and Steph are 30. They're still trying to play for now. Without Clay, that that, that matters. That hurts them. It's a big loss. But these, these careers, they go fast. And I don't think they can just sit back and go, this is a loss year for us as well. So the fact that they added a solid veteran point guard like Brad Wanamaker, Kent Bazemore, who was on the Warriors before, I think coming back in more of a rotation player kind of role is something that he he's a better fit for. I think a lot of teams that he's been with the last couple of seasons tried to make him more of a primary scorer. That's not what he is. I think Ken Bazemore can kind of fill that Sean Livingston kind of role for this Warriors team. You add Kelly Rubre, 
who's only 24 years old, last year averaged over 18 points a game, six rebounds, improved his three-point shooting, can guard three different positions. I think the Golden State Warriors, even with the devastating loss of Klay Thompson, are going to have a good season. And I would not sleep on what their front office might still be trying to pull off. So I would say look out for the Golden State Warriors. The one thing you can say if you're a Golden State Warrior fan is that that management, they're always a couple of steps ahead of most other management teams. And I think that they're not afraid to spend money or take risks. So I think the Golden State Warriors, when it's all said and done, I'm not talking championship, but I think they will be a factor in the West. Speaking of factors in the West, you want a fan base that has a reason to celebrate, a fan base that has a reason to be optimistic. The Phoenix Suns came into the bubble and went 8-0. They, they just missed out on getting into the playoff, but they were one of the best teams. Actually, if you go by just a trait record, they were the best team in the bubble. They were undefeated. And Devin Booker, I thought, took his game up to another level. DeAndre Ayton will be back. They're going to have Mikael Bridges. Dario Sartre, they finally found the perfect role for him as a six-man. He can play the four-five, shoot the three, good passer, rebounder. When you look at their top six players, they're 25 and under. What they needed, veteran leadership, veteran toughness, playoff proven toughness. What did their management get them? They trade for Chris Paul and they add Jay Crowder in free agency. Two proven veterans, Chris Paul, first ballot Hall of Famer, still playing at a high level. I think the great thing about bringing him there is He'll take Devin Booker off the ball. He'll give them, he'll allow Devin Booker to be able to create in other areas. He'll create opportunities for DeAndre Ayton, Miguel Bridges, Dario Saric, not to mention his professionalism, the way he maintains his body, the way he approaches the game. I think that will rub off. I think that toughness that Jay Crowder brings to every team he's played for, that will help the Suns. Now, a lot of people can get caught up in prisoner of the moment. What I will say is, barring any major injury, and this goes for every team, because you, we don't want to see anyone go down. We've already lost Clay. We, we don't want to see another player go down from a major injury. But barring a major injury, the Phoenix Suns will be one of the top four seeds in the Western Conference. I'll say it again, and this is for my guy, Deion Simeon. Long-time Phoenix Suns fan. The kind of fan that goes back to the days with Alvin Adams. Go further up with KJ, Barkley, and the crew. Deion Simeon, your squad, barring a major injury, will be one of the top four seeds in the Western Conference. And everybody's approach to the offseason is different. Take a team like the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks knew coming into this offseason, that they needed to address their liability defensively. On the perimeter, and, and really in the post, the Mavs were just one of the worst defensive teams in the league. So what did they do? Draft night, they went out and drafted two young defensive-minded wings. And then they traded for Josh Richardson. 
Now, I can't make a prediction on the Mavs because obviously they're incomplete without the services of their second best player, Przingis. But what I will say is, yes, drafting the wings was smart. Josh Richardson is a solid 3 and D guy, and he can make plays. He's an underrated playmaker. But if they can't get back Przingis at 100% and he can't stay healthy, which has been a problem for him, the Mavericks obviously won't make a deep playoff run. I think I like the moves they made, although in this league, you don't want to lose shooting, and Seth Curry is one of the best shooters in the NBA. The Mavs addressed a need. They needed to get more athletic on the perimeter, and they needed to get some guys who were more defensive-minded, and they did that. Whereas, take a team like the Nuggets, the team that made it to the Western Conference Finals, one of the deepest teams in the NBA. Their approach, I think, was more about what they believe they have already on their roster and what they were willing to lose. The Nuggets lost Jeremy Grant. They also lost Mason Plumlee and Torrey Craig. And I and I, I want to point out, those aren't just three guys that are part of their rotation. They're their three best defenders. Let's not forget, Jeremy Grant's only 25 years old. And he made himself over the last couple of seasons into one of the better three-point shooting bigs in the NBA. He's got the body of a three, but his game is more like a four. And they decided to let him walk to Detroit. People forget how big Jeremy Grant was for the Nuggets in the playoffs. But I believe the Nuggets decided to allow this to happen because they believe they have the answer to their problems on their roster. I think the versatility in terms of scoring, when you look at Michael Porter Jr., I think they expect him to take a leap forward. I think they believe that Bowl Bowl can be that defensive stopper for them. People forget how long and athletic Bowl Bowl is. He's also very skilled on the offensive end. And then there's going to be some additional firepower coming back because you're going to get a healthy Will Barton. And Will Barton is a walking bucket. Even if all those things happen, as I think Nuggets management hope they will, you have to think for a minute, though. You went from being one of the deepest teams in the NBA to suddenly having some question marks. And I get that you've got Joker and you've got Jamal Murray in one of the most dynamic duos in the NBA. They're 22 and 24 years old. Every reason to think after what they did the last postseason that the sky is the limit for the Nuggets. What I would say is, though, when you're down 3-1 multiple times and you come back, that says something about your team's fortitude. But is that is that a great run or the start of a team that's getting ready to become a title contender? I think that question is still up in the air. I think most people thought that the Clippers would be competing with the Lakers for some of the services of the same players. And they really were. And more or less, they lost. Jermichael Green, he's a nugget. Doc Rivers is now the coach of the Sixers. And you lose Montrez Harrell, 
the sixth man of the year to the Lakers. He just goes a locker room over. I think the move for Luke Kennard is a good move. He's a better shooter than Landry Shamit and a better playmaker. But you didn't address your most glaring need. The Clippers need a playmaking point guard. They need someone else that can take Kawhi Leonard and Paul George off the ball and could create for themselves and others. And that's something they did not address. If you're a title contender, which the Clippers are, the worst thing you could do is lose talent to the world champs next door, the Lakers. Which brings us to the Lakers. You're the world champions, and the worst thing your Western Conference rivals could allow is that the world champs, they got better. They traded for Dennis Schroeder, another guy that can create off the dribble and get you 20 points a night. They also added Montrez Harrell from the Clippers, and he only signed for $19 million. They got back Contavious Caldwell Pope. They added Wes Matthews, who basically is Danny Green on a much better contract. And then they signed Paul Gasol. I mean, not Paul Gasol, excuse me. They signed Mark Gasol. But Mark Gasol can still protect the rim. Super high basketball IQ, one of the better passing bigs in the NBA, and he can shoot with range. You let the Lakers get deeper and better. So am I saying it's a lock the Lakers are going to win the title? No, it's not a lock. It definitely is not because you never know. But what I will say is, and I always say this, if there are no major injuries and no team makes a blockbuster trade right now in this current NBA as everything stands, the L.A. Lakers are going to repeat. The L.A. Lakers are going to repeat. It really is a wrap. The Lakers just added two players that's going to give them 45 points. And really, when you look at the roster of the Lakers top to bottom, they still have a couple of cards to play. Because with these recent additions, they don't necessarily need Kyle Kuzma. They can move Kyle Kuzma and bring in another player that fits with what they're trying to do. Because in Schroeder, you've got your third scorer. And in Montrez Harrell, you have a quicker roller who can finish. And he's a good defender. He struggles with bigger, bigger guys. But when it comes to guys that are like fours or close to his size, Montrez Harrell is a solid defender. He's very good in pick and roll defense because of his foot speed and his lateral quickness. But when you look at this overall roster, it, again, not a lock. And I do expect a couple of teams to try to make moves to bolster their roster. But I don't know if they're going to make anything that's impactful enough to derail what the Lakers have put together. They still have two top five players. And they just added more talent. And they actually got younger in adding talent. Remember, Harold and Schroeder, are both 26 and 27 years old. They actually got younger and more talented. They brought in a proven championship center in Marc Gasol. They lose Dwight Howard, who did play well for them in a certain role. But I think 
what Mark Gasol lacks in athleticism, he makes up in basketball IQ, shooting, and passing ability. Next show, we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference and which teams made out the best in the East outside of the Atlanta Hawks. It's the Cypher. Next time. 